some noise for the Lord tonight. Amen. Amen. So if you've walked in and you've seen a lot of people with leather on, I just want to want to let you know uh, that you are in our biker service this whole weekend. So y'all real fast, make some noise if this is your first time to come and hang out with us at Church on the Rock. Hey, we're excited that you're here. But, uh, you know, as we continue, if this is your first time, if you've been here a million times, I want to tell you we're here for one reason, and it's to lift high the name of Jesus. How many people believe that tonight? So as we continue in worship, we're going to sing some songs. I, I hope they're familiar to you. But, you know, as we continue, let's lift up all of our hearts in one accord with one sound, one heart tonight. So let's uh, let's just lift up a quick prayer and let's just invite the, the presence of the Lord here tonight. So all across the room, let's pray. So Lord, we do lift you up. God, and in this moment, we say that we need you. 
just say that, Lord, we need you tonight. God, in this moment, we ask that you would inhabit the praises of your people, Lord, that your presence would be here from this moment, Lord, to all the way through altar call, but Lord, that you would have your way in this place tonight. So God, we love you, we lift you up, and we say all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord tonight.
Come on, are you thankful that he can make our dry bones come alive tonight? Amen. Hey, you know, as we continue in, in praise and worship tonight, we were just preparing this week, and it was something I, I felt like the Lord kept laying on my heart. And I feel like there's, there might be some people here that you've let some promises and maybe some dreams in your life pass away. And even just like that song was saying, God wants to raise things back to life that were once dead. And it could be something that you prayed for a long time ago and you quit praying for it because it hadn't happened. Has anybody ever been in a position like that? And so tonight, I want to I tell you, if you've been believing for a wayward son or daughter to come home and it hasn't happened yet, but you felt like you've gotten a word from God, I want to tell you that he's not done yet. How many people will believe that with me tonight? It could be a sickness. It could be, you know, your finances. It could be a marriage. I, I don't know what all's going on, but I want to tell you tonight that no matter what you're going through, that God's bigger than any situation that we might face. And tonight, he wants to breathe life into things that might be dead. Amen. Amen. So at this time, we're going to continue in praise and worship. And I want to invite our altar team down front. They're going to be down front. And if, if any of that, that, that I spoke of just kind of rung in your heart tonight, I want to challenge you. Come down. We would love the opportunity to pray with you. Uh, but if anything else is going on and you'd like to agree with somebody in prayer, please come down. We would love to pray with you tonight. But uh, for everyone else, let's just continue in worship. Amen. Pouring your cross out. 
just sing it out one more time. Every voice, every heart. thankful for that tonight.
comes to your children, you fiercely defend us. Do we stand to some noise for the Lord tonight. If you believe he's fighting for us, come on, make some noise for the Lord tonight. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you tonight. Come on, why don't you love on a couple people around you and make your way to your seats tonight. there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. If you're new to our church and would like to know a little more about who we are and what we believe, our Connect class is a great place to start. A new Connect class begins this Wednesday night. Next Saturday night, October 6th, is Parents' Night Out. Come and enjoy Saturday night service and afterwards check in your child and kid zone and enjoy a night without kids. Kid Zone is hosting a Purity Weekend October 19th through the 21st in Lone Star, Texas. This weekend is open to any kids in 4th through 6th grade and it costs $75. You can sign up your child today in Kid Zone. The journey of life can be difficult and confusing. Here at Church on the Rock, we want to help make your journey clear by connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We offer four classes on Wednesday nights to help you grow and stay on course in your walk with God. Our Connect class is for anyone new to the church or anyone wanting to get more involved. It's a four-week class to help you learn about the church, get connected to God, and learn about your spiritual gifts. The Spirit-Filled Life four-week class will teach you how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. The four-week Freedom class is designed to help you resolve conflict, break bondages, and renew your mind. The Becoming a Person of Influence class will teach you principles of leadership that you can apply in ministry, business, and your home. Between our Connect, Spirit-Filled Life, Freedom, and Becoming a Person of Influence classes, there is a Wednesday night class for everyone.
It's that time of year again, Fields of Faith, where thousands of students are gonna hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need your help once again this year. We're looking for altar workers that can help us pray with students and lead them to Jesus Christ. We're asking you to talk to your pastor or youth pastor to find out more details of how you can be involved in being an altar worker. The last thing we need help with is simply prayer. We're asking you between now and October the 3rd to simply pray over this event. Every time you think about Fields of Faith, we're asking you to breathe a prayer that students' lives will be changed, they would be encouraged, and they would be healed as they come to Fields of Faith. We look forward to seeing you right here October 3rd, 7 o'clock at Hawk State. Yeah, can we give it up for Jesus one time tonight? Are you glad to be here on our biker weekend? We got any bikers in the house? Oh, man. I almost wore my leathers today, but I forgot them. And uh, anyways, hey, we're so glad that you're here. We'll explain a little bit more later kind of what this weekend is all about. But we have a few announcements. In the foyer, you'll, you'll see a table that's set up with a lot of baked goods. Listen, when we leave here, go buy them all, all right? Uh, we're just not selling baked goods, so you'll put on some extra pounds for the fall. But this money actually goes towards a good cause. We have a team that's going to Mexico in just really several weeks. This money that's raised for this is going to go directly to buy beans and rice for the people that they minister to. It'll last them, what, a week or so at least. And so make sure you go. And Maybe you don't want any, any food or some sugar. You can donate a few bucks. Amen? Um, also, one more announcement. We have right after service, we are showing the Jesus film right out back here in our park. And listen, if you haven't seen this, it's amazing. They take this movie all over literally the world. And so it'll be a great time just to hang out. We'll have hot dogs. We have popcorn. It's all free. It'll be a great time for the whole family to watch the Jesus film that's literally changing millions of lives all around the world. Amen. And also, if you are new to our church, we have a new Connect class that begins this Wednesday night at 6.30. It's a great place to come, find out a little more about who we are, what we believe, and also can get you connected in a place to serve. So you definitely want to be here this Wednesday night. And then, uh, as well, you just saw in the announcements, this Wednesday night is Fields of Faith, which is a huge uh, citywide event. Last year, I believe we had over 4,000 people come out and attend. We had over 500 young people make decisions to follow Christ. And, and so uh, just like Eric asked, we want you guys to be in prayer with us, just believing that God would move in a mighty way. But I also want to ask you this one thing. Uh, every year we have tons of students that make decisions to follow Christ, uh, but we're always short on altar workers. And so if you're open to coming and, and being a part and just being there to pray with a student who's just made the biggest decision of their life, what I need you to do tonight, I have a sign-up sheet out in the foyer for you. I just need you to put your name and number down. I'll contact you this week, and we would love for you to come and be an altar worker and be a part of someone coming to know Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you. Hey, again, we're so glad that you're here. I thought Pastor Cole was going to get on the motorcycle and do his announcements, but maybe tomorrow. Hey, but for our offering, we have something special uh, this evening. We're going to show the video that CMA uses. It's Run for the Sun. It's just a few minutes. I want you to check this out, and then we'll talk about it. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples 
peoples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be assured of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go into all the world. How is that possible? No person, no church, no organization can do that alone. And yet Jesus was very clear in this command. Only by working together, with each of us doing our part and contributing as we are able, will we complete the task. In CMA, we understand that we have to do our part. We're not a fundraising organization. Run for the Sun is the only official fundraising effort we are involved in and we give away more than we keep. None of the money raised is used to fund the day-to-day -day operating expenses of CMA or any other organization. CMA keeps 40%, which we use to reach out to bikers and others throughout the United States and around the world. We go places where others don't or won't go. We reach out in service and look for opportunities to let our light shine. We strive to demonstrate the unconditional love of Christ. Every year, CMA members represent Christ to more than two million people, exposing more than 600,000 to the gospel message, with approximately 14,000 of those making the life-changing decision to accept Jesus as their personal Savior. 20% of the money raised is used to support the work of the Jesus Film Project. The Jesus Film has been translated into more than 1,600 languages and shown in 225 countries. Historically, for every dollar CMA invests in the Jesus Film, approximately 10 people see the film somewhere in the world, and at least one accepts Christ. Using these estimates, the support provided through Run for the Sun has allowed approximately 137 million people to view the film with some 14 million of those making decisions for Christ. These decisions are a direct result of CMA's Run for the Sun. 20% of the total raised is used to provide transportation. Working through organizations such as Missionary Ventures International, CMA has placed more than 6,800 bicycles, 6,500 motorcycles, boats, horses, buggies, snowmobiles, and at least one camel to pastors working in more than 107 countries. Right now, there are more than 13,400 pastors, evangelists, teachers, and Christian leaders doing their part to fulfill the Great Commission as a direct result of CMA's Run for the Sun. 20% goes to Open Doors, supporting their effort to promote the gospel in countries where being a Christian can get you locked up or killed. One of the greatest challenges to Christians living under tyranny and loss of religious freedom is isolation from God's Word and from the body of Christ. Through our involvement with Open Doors, CMA supports and strengthens suffering believers by providing Bibles and gospel development resources, by supporting the advancement of women and children, and through Christian community restoration efforts. CMA's Run for the Sun is a place where you can invest and know that you'll be participating in something that will result in someone's life being changed. On the first Saturday in May, CMA members across the United States will participate in the Run for the Sun. Through Run for the Sun, you can play a part, and together we can fulfill the Great Commission. You can touch someone somewhere in the world for Christ, but the choice is yours. Will you support Run for the Sun? Amen.
Now that video speaks for itself. As our ushers are getting ready to come forward every week, you know, we come up and, and we give a time in the middle of our worship for our giving, to give our offerings, to give our tithes, tithes 10%. And uh, we talk about this a lot, but God has blessed us. Amen. And as a result of that, in turn, we want to bless God and God's kingdom. That's why we return to God, what the Bible says, is our tithes and our offerings. And so the ushers are coming forward right now. This is an opportunity for you to do that. But you just saw the video. If you would like to support Run for the Sun, I'm telling you, they are doing amazing things in this country, but also around the world. You can just write on your tithe envelope. You can write on your debit slip or push pay. And we'll make sure that 100% of that goes to Run for the Sun. And God does amazing things. Amen? Uh, while we're collecting the offering, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest speaker. As you've probably seen, Pastor John is not here this weekend. He's doing a little farming, right? And preaching this weekend at his, uh, his dad's church. So we want to lift him up in prayer and just believe that he has a great time. He rests. A lot of things get accomplished. And uh, just he'll come back and he'll be ready to roll. I know he's in this series right now. And he's looking forward to being back next weekend. But our special guest this weekend is Carrie Gibson. You just saw him actually on the video. Good job. Uh, he's the vice president of the Christian Motorcycle Association, CMA. And uh, we're looking forward to him speaking what the Lord has put on his heart. But just for a second, I want to uh, tell you why, you know, Biker Weekend. Here's the deal. Here at our church, we have a lot of people that come that are members that are part of CMA. And listen, they're not just a biker organization, as you saw, but they're seeing great things happen in this city, cities all around us, and around the world. And so for months, we've been planning this, that we could come together, that they would encourage us, they would inspire us uh, to go and reach people in our city. Listen, every single person in here, maybe motorcycles isn't your thing, but you have a thing. And God wants to use you to reach your world. And so I was just listening to some of the things that they said, but uh, nationally they have 200,000 members. Uh, they touch 600,000 people for Christ annually, okay? Uh, they give out, they're giving out over 2.8 million Bibles, and they've shown that Jesus film, which you can see tonight, 137 million people have seen it. So I'm telling you, it's great to be something, part of something that's bigger than yourself. And so we're excited about this weekend. To all the guests that are here that came in, you're in for a treat tonight. Uh, so that's just a little bit about them. And uh, again, we're so glad that you're here. Amen. Joy. 
stage he stands for our guest speaker as he comes tonight. Before I pray and get started, I need I want to ask you a question. This is Texas, isn't it? Yeah. Am I the only one in the room wearing boots? There's a pair. Okay. I looked around and I saw tennis shoes and leather shoes and I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. I must be in Arkansas. <laughs> no. All right. Let's pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, it's good that we can laugh and we can joke. It's good to live in a country where we're free to gather together and talk about you, God. And Father, tonight, that's what this is about. It's all about you. And so, Father, I ask you in Jesus' name that you would take over, that you would anoint my mouth to speak your words, and that you would allow people to hear only that which is from you, that you would kill anything that I say that's not of you and let ears be anointed and hearts be anointed to receive your word. Help us, Father, to bring glory to the name of Jesus tonight in that precious, beautiful, wonderful name we pray. Amen. Um, Greg said something during the worship that I want to touch on. I'm not here to give you my testimony. Uh, that's a whole other story. But I want to, he said something about there's probably people in this room who are praying for a loved one, a son, a daughter, some member of their family that is, uh, has not come to Christ and they're still praying for them. I just want to tell you that um, I was 29 years old when I got my life right with Christ. The, I did everything you can do. I broke all the commandments. Um, you can figure that out however you want to, but I broke all the commandments. 
Uh, I did a lot of bad things. I was involved in drugs. I was a major, major disappointment to my parents. And they were praying for me. And uh, I finally, I, I thank God for this, and it's one of the many reasons that I do what I do. But I thank God that, that he allowed me, he allowed my parents, and he allowed me to live long enough that I sat down with my dad one day. And he said, son, I want you to know, I'm proud of you. And there was a time when he kicked me in the rear end as I was walking out of the house. So, praise God for what he did. Um, also, before I read a scripture that I want to share with you that you all know, I just want to tell you that last October, uh, I went home from our national event, Changing the Colors, went to the hospital, had a calf, and they found a 99% blockage and a 97% blockage. I didn't leave the hospital until I had three bypasses and a valve replaced in my heart. So when I read this scripture, I want you to know that I believe this to be true. I'm sure you've all heard this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I believe... I believe that I'm living on borrowed time, so to speak, on free time, time that God has given me, that I, I could be dead and in the grave right now. Now, as Paul would say, that's not such a bad thing because I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going to be standing. I know when I close my eyes and I open them again, I'm going to be looking in the face of God, and that is a wonderful thought. But here's the deal. As long as I'm on this earth, I am going to proclaim who he is and what he's done. And this weekend, this weekend, I'm going to tell you some things that I've seen God do that are just as powerful as the things you read in the Bible. Now, the CMA people in the room may have heard some of these before, but just like what we read in the Bible, I'm a firm believer that when we see God do something, we need to talk about it. We need to be telling about it. And just because I've proclaimed it one time doesn't mean I can't ever say it again. So let me read you some scriptures. That's always a pretty good way to start. Uh, and, and you have a lot of what I'm going to read you. You should be familiar with everything I read out of the Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 21. Let me read this. Now follow along with me. You don't have to, if it's on the board, you can, but listen to what I'm saying. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we would be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, let me stop there for just a second. Ask yourself, are you ready? 
Are you ready to stand in front of God? Because if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if you believe that the things he said are true, if you don't believe, you need to less talk after the service. But if you believe that, then you have to believe what he says. And what he says is this, you're going to receive whatever you deserve for what you did while you live in this body. That ought to wake you up. For we, let me read it again. For we must all stand before Christ and be judged. I think sometimes we lose sight of that. We think how wonderful it's going to be to look into his face and see that precious, wonderful face. I long for that. But I tremble sometimes because I know who I am. I know the bad side of me. I know the thoughts I have. I know that I let God down, and I know you do too. You don't know the things about me that he knows. So I'm trying hard. I'm trying hard to be looking in his face and have him smile and say, welcome home, son. You messed up a few times, but you sure tried hard. Verse 11, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We're giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. There we go again. Ask yourself, have you died to your old life? Most of us in this room have not completely died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Seems like I heard that. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Praise God for that new life. And here's what it doesn't say right here. But when that old life is gone and the new life has begun, that means that God no longer holds that old life against you. It's gone. It's gone. It's forgotten. Now, here's something we have trouble with sometimes. It's just a fact. We do. God promises us that he doesn't hold the old life against us. He even says that he has forgotten it, that it's as far from his memory as, it is, as the east is from the west. And yet, we can't seem to do that. There are people who offend us, who hurt us, who we know they did something bad. Hmm, there's a Senate hearing going on 
I will, I'm not here to preach politics. I don't do that. I don't do that. But if we truly want to model Christ, then when, shouldn't we be willing not to hold somebody's past against them, especially when it involves us? If somebody, and I'm, it's hard for me. It's hard for me. When somebody does me wrong, I want to hurt them. When somebody says something about me, I want to get sneaky and fix their motorcycle where the wheel falls off at 80 miles an hour. But I can't do that. If, so, if even that person that wronged me, if something goes wrong with their motorcycle, I should go over there and try and help them fix it. And all of this, let me say this. As a Christian, if there's nothing in the Bible that sinks in, except John 3.16, you got to let that sink in. John 3.17, you got to let that sink in. But if nothing else penetrates this head, get this inside of you. And all this is a gift from God who brought, him, brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Listen, it's not enough. It's not enough to walk the aisle and say a prayer and be baptized and stick a little fish on the back of your car or on your motorcycle. It's not enough to put a Christian patch on your back. It's not enough. God expects us to be his ambassadors here on earth. It's not enough to go to church every Sunday. You can come to all three services this weekend. That's not enough. What God wants you to do is take what happens in here, take what you learn in here, and put it out there in the world. We have a job to do. It's not a suggestion. So let me summarize what we just read. Remember these things. We will all stand before God. We'll all be judged. Jesus died for everyone, not just us pretty little Christians. He died for the worst of the worst. The most sinful people there are, the people that you and I don't even want to be around. People we're scared of. He died for them too. And those who receive his sacrifice no longer live for themselves. They live for Christ. 
We have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view and start evaluating them with the eyes and the heart and the mind of Christ. And anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone, is a new creation. And he has given me and you, us, the task of reconciling the lost to him. Now, I'm going to talk to you in just a minute about a very extreme case of just that. Let me just tell you that when I um, turned my life over to Christ, now I was a, I was a good little Baptist boy. Um, no, I, no, I'm not, nothing about denominations here. I did what a lot of young men do uh, in my day in the church I went to, and it just happened to be a Baptist church. At nine years old, uh, I walked the aisle, I prayed a prayer, I was baptized, I joined uh, Royal Ambassadors, um, went to church all the time, and had you asked me if I was saved, I would have said yes, and maybe I was, I don't know. That's the catch right there, I don't know. Uh, so I spent the next few years trying to be a good boy, and then I hit 16, and everything went, went south, uh, and I really, really, really became a, a bad, bad person until I was 29, and uh, all during that time, had you asked me if I was a Christian, I would have said yes, and had you asked me if I was going to heaven, I would have said yes. And yet, I really didn't know that, and I was, there was no evidence in my life. There was nothing there to prove it, to show it. And then, uh, when I was 29, I fell in love with a girl, and she went to church. She was a, a very active Christian. She was very much into church and, uh, and her faith, and... So I went to church. I followed her into a church to be close to her. I didn't need any, I didn't want anything or need anything from God. I was a Christian. And in that church, uh, that day, the pastor said something that pricked my heart. Didn't, it didn't prick it, it drove a spike through it. And um, he said, if you, something like this, if you want a real relationship with Jesus, if you've just been playing around with him, raise your hand. I, I didn't even realize that my hand shot up in there. And uh, he did something, I, I stayed in that church 20 years and I, until he retired, and he did something that I never saw him do again, and since that was the first time there, I'd never seen him do it before. He walked down, he didn't call me up. He walked down the, from the platform and came down. I was about three or four rows back, and he knelt down and led me in the sinner's prayer. Very powerful, moving moment in my life. And after that service, uh, Debbie and I were not uh, married, so we were there in separate vehicles. And I was driving home, and I was thinking about what I had done and how I felt about it. And so I pulled off the side of the road 
And I prayed another prayer. And I said, God, I mean it this time. I mean it. I'm giving you everything. Uh, I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm going to live for you. Uh, send me wherever you want to send me. Take whatever you want to take from me. Uh, I mean it. I'm giving you my life. Now, people laugh about this, and I do too, because I said, but God, please don't ever ask me to stand up and speak in front of people. <laughs> the moral of that story is uh, don't tell God what you don't want to do. And the flip side of it, just in case you're thinking like I thought, is don't try and trick him by telling him you don't want to do something you want to do because he knows what you're doing. Now, I'm not going to read this. I, because of time, I'm not going to read the story of the prodigal son, but I want to talk about that. You all should know the story. A son, uh, a, a, a fairly wealthy man had two sons. And the younger of the two went to him and said, Father, I want my share of the inheritance now. His son, father gave it to him. And he went out and squandered it. Now, when you read that, that uh, story, and, and you can read it in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 15. When you read that story, you should notice a couple of things. One is, the boy squandered all of his money, and he had plenty of friends that would help him do it. But when he went broke, uh, the friends were no longer there. He was on his own. Got so bad for him that he got a job feeding pigs. I don't think it's an accident or a coincidence that he got a job feeding pigs instead of cattle or sheep or pretty little lambs or anything like that. Pigs were the worst of the worst of the worst to, those, to the, that generation of uh, Israelites. They were despicable animals. You can't get any lower in that culture than to be feeding the pigs. And when he finally came to his senses, and those are out of the uh, NLT, that's the words they use. When he came to his senses... He decided to go back and ask his father for a job, not to accept him, but to ask him for a job. And the Bible says that the father saw him coming from a long way off. There's a reason he saw him coming from a long way off, and that is he was looking for him. He was looking for him. And the boy comes back and he says, I don't deserve anything from you. I don't even deserve to be called your, your son. Just please give me a job. And the father wrapped his arms around him and said, praise God. I'm, I'm, out of, I'm paraphrasing here. Praise God, this son of mine who was dead is alive again. And I'm, I love this part of the story. It says, the son, let me read verse 24. This is what the NLT says, the father said. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Now, all that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Then it says this, so the party began. <laughs> you know, 
I, I read that and I think, yeah. Sometimes we get this image of a God who's so stern and mean, uh, not mean, but like no sense of humor. He's just like, but no, no, no. The party began. And there is a direct correlation between this story and what it's like in heaven when a lost prodigal child returns home. It's also, I find, let me support that for you. Let me give you some more biblical evidence that there's parties in heaven. It just so happens that the very first miracle Jesus did on the face of the earth was at a wedding party. So it's okay if, you, if somebody you know and love comes back to Christ, throw a party. Now, let me tell you a story, okay? Let me tell you something that I saw happen with my own eyes. And everything I talk about this weekend will tie back into this somehow or another. So the people who come tomorrow morning and they weren't here tonight, they may have some confusion, but I'll help them, I'll help them get through it. Years ago when I got involved in CMA, I fell in love with the ministry of CMA. I saw what it did. I saw that lives could be changed. I didn't know anything about Run for the Sun. Run for the Sun is an extremely powerful thing, extremely powerful. There are people all over the world. Matt, let me, let me, uh, there are people all over the world that are being touched and changed and impacted through Run for the Sun right now at this very moment. But let me share one more statistic with you real quick. Just in the United States, just here in the United States, once every 54 seconds, somebody is recommitted, some CMA member is leading someone in a prayer of recommitment to Christ. Once every, once every 41 seconds, some CMA, around the clock, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, some CMA member somewhere is praying for someone somewhere in the United States. And once every 54 minutes around the clock, 365 days a year, some CMA member somewhere in the United States is leading someone in the prayer of salvation. Those are good stats. And, uh, but I saw CMA in action and I fell in love with it. Went back, got involved in a chapter. Our chapter got really involved. We didn't, we just did what CMA told us to do. We went out and got involved in local motorcycling communities. Sometimes I see chapters. Now, those of you who aren't CMA members, you're going to have to apply this to whatever area of your life you're in because the principles I'm going to talk about apply to us all over the place. But I want to talk specifically about CMA for just a moment. I see chapters that get all worked up about something that really doesn't mean anything. They get mad with each other. Some of them quit. They walk away. They leave. They want to go do something else. And I think... What a waste. Because I've seen what God does when we just do what he tells us to do. This is an example. Our chapter started with five people. Uh, we, everybody, well, let me back up. The chapter was a full-size chapter, and some people in the chapter got mad, so the chapter folded. They, all the officers got mad and resigned, walked away, and quit. So we had a meeting, and there were five of us in that meeting. Uh, the evangelist came down, Curtis Clemens at the time, and he said, if you want to be a chapter, I need, uh, I, want, I want you to, but I need somebody to be 
the uh, contact person to serve as temporary president. I don't know how it happened. I do, but I don't. But I ended up president of a defunct chapter uh, with five people. And the reason I was president is I had been to one defunct chapter meeting. Nobody else had ever been to a chapter meeting. So we made a commitment. I don't want to get into all that. I don't want to lose, burn a lot of time on that. We made a commitment, and we uh, saw our chapter go from five people to 50 people the first year. Uh, when I left there, it had nothing to do with me. We had a group of committed people. And the one smart thing we did was we agreed to pray about everything, and we agreed to elect Jesus Christ as our president. And uh, when, when I started in that group, uh, we did no services, nothing. We did nothing. When I left, our chapter, and again, it has nothing to do with me, our chapter was, did 67 services that year. Not church services. There were six of those, I think, were church services. The rest of them were secular event services. Well, we met up. One of the things CMA says is get involved with the local motorcycling community. And there's a group called Abate, and uh, we got involved with Abate. And through our involvement with Abate, we met this old down-and-out biker named Foot. And uh, Foot didn't have any friends. He had he had been a one percent hardcore club guy, but he was from New Orleans, and uh, he was a drug abuser, needle user, and uh, and his girlfriend was a prostitute. Somewhere in that, whether from her or from the drugs, he got HIV. And in that day, just the mention of AIDS and everybody ran. Uh, but we didn't run. We just loved him. And he didn't have any money. He, was, he didn't have anything. He had nothing. And uh, we knew that he had a death sentence. And we knew he didn't have Jesus. And so we had an ultimate goal of seeing him get saved. But we didn't know how to preach to anybody or any of that, so we just loved on him. We got involved with him and became friends with him and invited him to meetings, and uh, I became real close with him. And part of that was for selfish reasons. He was a Cajun. Uh, he liked to cook, and I liked to eat. And I like spicy food. So he, he would cook big pots of food and he'd call up a bunch of people. Well, nobody would go except me because they were scared the cook had AIDS. Ha-ha. <laughs> but I know that there's no virus or germ in the universe that can survive true Cajun cooking. <laughs> So I went and ate with him all the time. And he would tell me, Carrie, you wouldn't have liked me if you'd have known me in my day. And I said, oh, man, I love you. I love you now. I loved you then. No, you wouldn't have liked me. So he hung out with us. He never would join CMA. He wouldn't accept Christ. The one requirement to being a member of CMA is you got to be a Christian. So to wear a patch that says Christian. 
But he would hang out with us, and uh, he had, for a while he had a motorcycle. Then he, got, he couldn't ride. But we found out it was his birthday. So we made an, a, an arrangement with one of his friends to bring him, make sure he was at the meeting. And during the meeting, we stopped. I was president. I said, oh, wait a minute. I think we've got a birthday here today. And so a couple of the girls had either baked or gone to Walmart and bought a cake or something, just a little old cake. They bring out this birthday cake, and it's got a few candles on it. It's maybe got a little plastic motorcycle. There's a couple of little balloons and a couple of little $5 gag gifts like the little plastic motorcycles that you buy, wrap them up. Nothing, nothing, nothing there. And we bring it out, and they start singing to him, and I see him start crying. And I think, oh, no, we've hurt his feelings. We've offended him. We shouldn't have done this. So I went over and I put my arm around him and I whispered in his ear. I said, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. And as he's kind of sobbing and tearing up there, he said, no, 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 man. No, you don't understand. This is the first birthday party I've ever had. 40 years old, first birthday party. Bunch of us, and I'm one of them, we would talk. We knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. And we took every opportunity to talk to him about his relationship with Jesus. And he would always say, I can't do it. I can't do it unless it's real. It's got to be real for me to do that. But he would hang out with us. And we treated him good. Nobody else would treat him good. Everybody just stayed. Nobody treated him bad. He was a big boy. But everybody stayed away from him, not us. So we went, one of the things we did as a chapter is we would occasionally gather up and go to one of the members' churches. So this one Sunday, we all went to a big church, Crossgates Baptist Church. Barry Clingham's the pastor. I remember this like it was just happened yesterday. And we had a big group. There were probably 30-something of us in that group. And the church was laid out like this, except this big balcony up there and all that. But we couldn't all sit together, so we all sat in a section off on this side. And I don't know what Barry said. I don't remember the message, to be honest with you. But I sure remember what happened. He said something like, if you want to know that Jesus is real, if you want a relationship with God that will change your life, and you want to know he's real, get up out of your chair and come down here right now. And I'm sitting there at the end of an aisle, and all of a sudden this big hand grabs me and pulls me up and says, you're coming with me. And it was my friend, Foot. And on the other side is another guy, Doug Scott. And apparently Foot had grabbed him too. And we came down to the front and they had stairs all, you know, it was like a plat- steps all the way, the whole thing. And we knelt down and, I, and, and look, I'm not telling you something I saw. I was there. I was, my hands were on him. And I had my hand on his back and he's on all fours and he's trembling and he's shaking and I'm praying, God, heal him, heal him, heal him. 
God did heal him, but not of AIDS. That man changed. It became real in his life. He accepted Jesus and became a new creation, a different person. I would go to see him, and every time I he loved Debbie. I understand that. I do too. That's my wife. Uh, He loved Debbie. And I would go over there and visit with him. Now, let me tell you where he lived. He lived in a little teardrop trailer that had, when you walked in the front door, it was a piece of plywood stuck down. There was a few pieces of carpet. Some friends of his had cut the end out and put like a lean-to room on the end with his bed in it. When I say he had nothing, he had nothing. And I would go in and visit with him and hang out and eat. And before I left, he would say, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he would scrounge through his stuff and he would always find something to send home to Debbie. We still have some of those things. He would send, he knew she liked horses and all that. And he, I remember one time he found a little toy Indian and sent it home. And you know, that that may have only cost a dollar, but that's one of the best gifts anybody's ever given us. It's an indication of a changed life, a new creation. So two years pass, and his HIV sprung into full-blown AIDS. He was a vet. He was at the Veterans Hospital. He was dying, and he called me, and he said, Carrie, They're transferring me to hospice. Will you carry me? I said, sure. So I go to the hospital, and I'll never forget walking in that room and seeing my friend crumpled over in that wheelchair over to the side with a blanket wrapped around him, his head down, and it was a sad, sad sight. I took him out, I helped him get into my, I had a blazer, I helped him get in my blazer. And as we're pulling out of VA hospital, he says, Carrie, I'm tired. I'm so tired. I won't go home. I said, okay. I don't care where you, I'll take you wherever you want to go. I thought he wanted to go to his trailer. He said, no, 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 no. I want to go home. Two weeks later, he went home. But that day, when he said that, I said, brother, nobody knows what the future holds. I may get there before you. With his head down, he said, no, no, I don't think so. I said, well, do me a favor. Save me a seat at the table. And with a little chuckle, he says, I'll do better than that. I'll have you a big old pot of red beans and rice waiting on you. (laughs) Now, before I finish that story, I want to jump ahead till after he died. I had met, there's a big event down on the Gulf Coast, it's called the Blowout, and it, for a long time, it was a bad, bad, bad event. And I had met his former club's president down there, and uh, 
he had a little show he brought. A, I don't really understand it. He had a bus and he had a bunch of snakes in it. I don't know who wanted to go through that, but and they called him Captain. And uh, I, he never would talk to me. He, I'd go try and say something to him and he'd just blow me off. But I felt like he needed to know that Foot had passed away. So I went and found him at the next blowout. I said, I just want to tell you that Foot died. And he said, well, I hope he's in a better place. I said, he is. And he stopped, he looked at me and said, how well did you know him? I said, I knew him pretty well. He said, well, did you know that he one time split a man wide open? Remember, Foote told me I wouldn't like him if I'd have known him back then. I said, no, I didn't know that. He said, did you know that I had to shoot him in the leg one time to keep him from killing somebody? I said, no, I didn't know that. He said, did you know, let me say this, some clubs will all get gas and send one person in to pay for everybody's gas. He said, did you know I sent him in to pay for the club's gas one time and he picked up a shovel and knocked the guy out and robbed him? I said, no, I didn't know that. He said, you didn't know him very well, did you? I said, I knew him well enough to know that when he stood in front of a holy God, none of that mattered. And he said, huh. Here's my point in all of that. God changed foot. We, our chapter, but you can apply it to you in your life. You can apply it to you in your jobs. You can apply it to you in this church. You can apply it to the day-to-day -day lives you live. We didn't do anything special other than love, own an unlovable person, and do what God expected us to do. We did the right thing. Like the prodigal son, like the father and the prodigal son, God never gave up on foot. During the whole time that foot was doing all the things he was doing, he was still the father's son. But foot had to have a change of heart. Foot didn't deserve forgiveness, just like the prodigal son. But the forgiveness, the love of God, isn't based on what we deserve. And we need to remember that when we're dealing with people. First off, remember this. You don't deserve the grace God showed you. So we don't have the right to decide who does deserve the grace God wants to show them. The worst of the worst of the worst. Now, what is it that changes, what is it that can change a man like Foot, who had every reason to fear facing God? See, what Captain told me about Foot, that was only a little bit of it. Foot knew all the things he did, and yet he understood that the love and the forgiveness of God was real. And he didn't have to fear that God because the promise of God is you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And Foot understood that. 
God, Jesus Christ, is the only way that someone can change from fearing facing God to actually anticipating with joy standing in front of him. Now that, I'm not going to get in, I'm going to tell you some more stories and stuff tomorrow. But just doing the right thing there opened all kinds of opportunities that we didn't have any, we didn't plan. And I'll share some of those with you tomorrow. Here's the last thing and then I'm going to close. I tell that story about foot fairly often. And can I tell you that every time I tell it, I want to leave and have a party. It's, it's it, when you can experience, when you can experience the miracle-working, life-changing power of Jesus Christ, you get addicted to it. And I live for the next, if, if, if I never see Jesus do another miracle, it's okay. I've seen more than enough. But I live for the next time that I can have my hands on some old bikers or some old guy or some old gal's shoulders. And I can know that God is doing what only he can do. Is he's making a new creation out of an old person. All of this stuff starts with a relationship with Jesus. You can't expect to see God move like I've been talking about until you get your life right with Christ. It starts with you. Now, and early in this service, I ask you some questions. Take a minute, take a moment, and examine your life. Are you right with God? Have you accepted him for who he is and have you turned your life over him? Have you grasped a hold of the fact that your old life needs to be gone and there's a new life waiting for you? Or maybe, just maybe, you're like I was and you thought or maybe you think, you're good, everything's good. I prayed a prayer, I'm, I'm good, I call myself, I'm a Christian but maybe not. Maybe you're not living up to, I'm not here to judge you and tell you whether you are or you're not. That's a hard thing. But maybe, just maybe, it's time that you give it all to God. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, I've been living for the wrong stuff. I've been living for me. My attitude towards you, I've been looking at you from human, a human point of view. I want to give you my life. Maybe that's you. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. And if today you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're, you've given it all to Christ, if you're ready to say, I give up, Lord, Save me. Make me the person you want to be. It all starts with a very simple prayer. So I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it in your heart or you can pray it out loud. This is between you and God. But Lord Jesus, I come to you now 
And I confess that I've been living wrong. I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I've been living for me and not for you. Right now, God, at this moment, I ask you to forgive me and to save me. Right now, God, I'm making you a promise. I promise you, Lord, that I'm going to do my best to live for you. I promise you, God, that I'm going to try and be the person you want me to be. But I need your help. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Head still down, eyes still closed. Jesus was very clear about something. If you, he said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. But if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before the Father. So while every head is down and every eye is closed, except mine, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I'm going to ask you to acknowledge him right now before me by simply raising your hand. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. You can, you can put your hands down. Father, thank you for touched hearts. Lord, we've made promises to you. Help us to live those promises. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the pastor and the prayer team, whoever else comes up forward to, to come up front. And I'm going to turn it back over to the pastor, but I want to say this to you. If you... May, if you prayed that prayer, you don't owe me anything. But you made a promise to God. Please live that promise. You do your part, he'll do his. And if you need to know, if you prayed that prayer because you aren't sure that you were a saved new creation, I strongly encourage you to come pray with one of these people up here and tell them, there's no shame in this joy. It's party time. When you come up here and say, I prayed and turned my life over to Jesus, it's party time. Pastor. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus tonight. Awesome. Hey, let's stand on our feet. We're going to go back into a worship song and and just like Carrie said, if you need to make a step to Christ, if you want prayer, our prayer team is up here. The most important decision that you can make is yielding your heart to Christ. And listen, as he was speaking, I was just stirred. You know, every single person in here, you know, there's a lot of Christians. Who is your foot? Who is the person that God is calling you to go after? Because listen, we all have talents and gifts and abilities, but they will do you no good when you get to heaven. We're supposed to use them here. Amen? And so I hope this message encourages you, inspires you. Man, in my world, let me reach the person that God has called me to reach. Amen? Listen again, if you uh, wanted to receive Christ, if you want to make that step, you can come right over here to the cross. If you want prayer for anything, we want to pray. But also we want to 
take time again. If you would like to make a special uh, donation or you'd like to give to Run for the Sun, you can do that as well. We're going to have a Bible right up here. Our ushers are in the back. If you would like to give to this, make sure you write Run for the Sun on there, and I can guarantee it's going to go to touch lives of people all over this area and all over the world. Let's lift our hands. Let's worship for a moment, and uh, then you'll be dismissed, and we're going to go out, and we're going to watch the Jesus film. So if you'd like to receive Christ, you can meet some of our uh, pastors right over here at the cross. But if that's not you, we pray that you'd have a blessed week and just come hang out with us uh, and uh, the film out in the park tonight.